Chad. Hi, Cameron. Great opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad. I want to start off an opinion that is cheap. My cat's dumbass. Okay. Do you want to he elaborate? To... Yes. Okay. He likes to play in the bathtub. I don't know why. But, like, before we were getting ready to record, he kept yelling at me to follow him so he could jump in the bathtub and then we could play in the bathtub. Like, he likes to get behind the shower curtain and then I move my hands around around the shower curtain and he can jump at it, right? And then I, if I get bored, I'll kind of, like, wrestle with him. But it's, like, it's dirty in there. And it, he's got to know it's dirty in there. I, I don't understand why that's a great place to play. But, like, if I throw one of his toys in the living room, he's like, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. And he looks at me like, I'm the dumbass. My cat used to sleep in the toilet. What? She would prop herself up with all four legs so that she's, like, hovering above the water. And just, like, wedge into the hole under the seat. Huh. And it was kind of weird, because it was a very fluffy cat, but she was never, like, wet when she'd jump out. It was, like, a very exact science for her, and that was just, like, she'd, like, wedge into the hole and stare at you for a bit and go to sleep. And it's like, all right. I know, I caught Ripley sleeping in my uh, clean clothes the other day, because I accidentally didn't close my dresser drawer all the way, and he was like, hell yeah, that's prime real estate for naps. Um... Kind of is. He, he woke me up the other day because he was like putzing around with my dresser, like batting at the handles and stuff, seeing if he could like open it because he wanted to get back in there. He's got a very one track mind, um, which is funny and also extremely frustrating because he's an asshole. Yeah. But that's my cat. Are you drinking tonight? No, it's I'm, I'm taking April off, so I'm on day eight of no booze. Oh, you should have reminded me. We normally do that together. Yeah, I guess I should have. Uh, I kind of wanted to be a little more quiet about it, because I feel like the the reason it failed last year is I, like, thought about it too hard, and I was like, you know what, if I just don't bring it up that much, if I just kind of, like, keep it to myself and not make, like, a spectacle, maybe it'll be easier to do. Yeah, I understand that. So far, so good, but I also, like, I got home, and I had kind of a long day, and I'm just like, you know what I really want? This whiskey. <laughs> So, uh, I'm I'm hopeful, but I'm not. Uh, I've got expectations. I imagine I'll take at least one mulligan before the month is out. Well, okay. You can you can always text me if you want support. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, ah, don't do it. That's about it. I believe. Yeah, I believe in you. To believe in me. Oh well. So. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Infinity, that little, like, tabletop miniature game. Yes. And so I ordered a starter box. Oh, cool. How'd that go? They, well, they showed up, and it's like, oh, these are neat. And then that same day, uh, for my birthday, Richard gave me some uh, 40k Space Marines. So I threw out the Infinity pieces, and I've been stuck in this, like, decision paralysis where i don't know how to paint these space marines oh really it's like should i do the classic like kind of blue look so that they look like 40k space marines or should i do one of the cooler branches or should i do like an oc faction because those are popular or should i do like a joke one or should i use them as like decoration for other pieces like have a like you know like a uh You've seen those minis where there'll be like battle damage guy where like the the Necrons like stepping on top of a a dead space marine or something. 
And it's like, right. oh, I can use these in so many different ways. And so I just, I've been looking at this unopened box for like two weeks. <laughs> so there was, know. um, yeah, this is, uh, I think last year now, but uh, there was a thing, uh, one of the mini painters I was doing was, uh, he was trying to start this thing where, you, Hey, you take your like local comic book store, or your game store, you use like their colors and, and paint uh, a thing of space Marines. Oh, that's kind of fun. And then. You know, maybe use those to help promote your your local game stores, which were struggling at the time and probably still are. Um, I thought that was a neat idea. So if you have like, if you you know, it's a it's an option for you. Now that that is actually a fun idea. What uh, I don't know. What would you do? Like, I, have you looked at the uh, like the OC stuff? Um, not really. Oh, I guess I don't know what you mean by that. So um. There's actually rules in the Space Marine book for making your own like branch. Oh, really? you know how there's like there's the the blue ones that are the Primaris or whatever, and then there's the Blood Angels and the Death Squad and the Turbo Lords and the blah blah blahs and the bleeby bloops. Um, they actually kind of encourage you to go like, yeah, they they fractioned off and they splintered off so much. You can just make up your own planet and the Space Marines that defend that planet. So oh. it's like pick your own colors, but also like there's a slew of abilities. So you get to like pick two abilities that are special for your army. Um, like the the wolves, they have like a a preference for melee. They have like a you know a couple abilities that help with melee combat or something, or maybe one of them's like melee and one's travel. There's a lot of like categories, so you can kind of like focus on oh these guys are sharpshooters. Um, but also they hate Necrons, so they get a bonus against Necrons. And here's their backstory, and here's their colors and their logo, and they have like a this like lame PDF like coloring sheet book. <laughs> it's like a it's like PDF coloring sheet you can fill out and post on Reddit and go, I'm original. I picked red. Sure. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't know that was a thing. Like, I assumed a, I, I never really planned on buying Space Marines just because yeah. I'm not like a huge fan. You know, I want to. I like the Xenos armies a lot. But it's also like picking Mario and Smash Brothers. Yeah, but I. It's like okay, if I did have them and I was gonna paint them, I definitely wouldn't do like the the blue or the red. I just I'm not a huge fan of those colors. I don't know what I would do. Um, I'd probably lean really heavily on either white or black, and then try to do a cool like offset like like purple and white with like a lot of white could look really regal and neat but white's a bitch to work with uh because it could get so transparent yeah that's that's kind of my hang up actually um because the the one i was thinking about was uh do you remember the ice planet lego sets uh yeah gosh that's a that's a deep cut because <laughs> I, I want i want to have like because they have those like chainsaw swords right so I want to paint yes. their like chain swords to be like orange transparent plastic, <laughs> and like their visors would be the, the like bright orange, and they'd live on an ice planet and have like you know cold resistance powers or something. Honestly, that's a really really fucking fun idea. What What's fun is like there there's a there's a weird fan base for these orange transparent chainsaws. Oh where yeah, people like custom print stuff. Because it's just so stupid. Like, it's not... That's not what a chainsaw would look like. I don't care. It's so silly that people kind of adore it. And so there's, like, an amazing amount of, like, fan art 
that just makes these like ice raiders. This is like back when <laughs> Lego had like limited color choices. Um, so there's these like hardcore ice planet. Um, like <laughs> the, actually, here's a picture I'm gonna send you. They almost look like space marines. It's like they're it, it's it's got this like serious tone to the, the oh, painterly quality, and they're all like super equipped for this harsh planet with their orange transparent chainsaw. <laughs> It's like it's realistic to a degree. It looks like the cover to a bad sci-fi novel. Yeah. And so what I did was like I went into this 40k uh Discord I'm in and I sent them some of this really cool art. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about this color scheme for some space marines. What do you guys think?" And about 5 people said, "Oh, that's pretty cool. That would work." And then like the last person said, that kind of looks like a Lego set, I remember. I was like, yeah. And I started putting Lego sets, and then everybody got mad at me. I was like, oh, you got me. Ooh. Because <laughs> they all just liked the, the concept. But it's like, oh, I, it, it kind of works. But it also would mean a lot of white. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I'm also, I'm not looking at painting a full army of these guys either. I, I like, uh, like, sometimes well, they'll do, do, like, long. special, like, uh, anniversary models or like a convention exclusive space marine so it's like oh you know i wouldn't mind getting a couple of these and mm-hmm. like pretending that i have a whole army about them well could you um could you spray prime them either like light gray or white and then just kind of go from there you can there, there's a way to address the white um there's a there's a problem with white primer is that it tends to not always work as well Sure. Like you tend to either lose detail or it just isn't as good. But there's a technique to using gray primer. And you kind of, uh, instead of adding shading, it's like you focus on only adding highlights and it's like you bring it up. But you also have to like factor in how that'll look with the other colors too. Cause I'm, I'm used to working with black primer. Yeah. Me too. And I, I just kind of like how the black primer turns out. But I've seen some comparisons where people are like, here's my white primer version with the same painting techniques, and it's like the colors are different. And it's like, oh, you know, if I could get the white primer to work, it might actually complement the poppy style I'm going for with the, the neon weaponry. Yeah. I saw a really cool uh, tutorial of uh, Dana Hollow was painting some Tyranids in the color scheme of like Bowser from Mario's, uh, whatever that new thing was that bowser's fury or whatever oh okay it, kind of that like and, molten effect yeah and that looked really fucking nice i can she picture did a great that job and yeah. so those might look cool on those chainsaw swords too yes it's like uh so i guess i'd keep that idea in your pocket if the i like i like the idea a lot of mimicking these lego guys though it's just a matter of yeah how do you deal with the fact that you have to base a lot of white and then go over it with blue um it's funny because I think there's like cheats with like yellow because yellow's a bitch too. But if you like put a coat of pink on underneath, I think yellow sticks to pink really well for some reason. The other thing with the ice planet is uh, a lot of the sets had vehicles. Um, That's true, especially with big white wheels. And it's like it would be kind of cool to have one of these tanks. Or uh, there's actually they just came out with a new space marine vehicle where it's like a um it's like a a beach quad. Where it's on four wheels. Or, or you know what it's really like is um the Warthog from Halo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, if I paint those wheels white and set up the base so it looks like it's digging through snow, it would look just like a Lego set. 
That would be cool. And it's like, ah, uh, this is kind of a fun idea. I might, I might actually, uh, experiment on the, the gift Richard gave me. And if they turn out good, I might get like a little vehicle to accompany it. And sure. that'd be a good piece on the shelf. I like the idea. I mean, there's something fun about like taking like these grimdark shit and then like, oh, I'm going to paint them like the Lego guys I liked when I was a kid, right? Like that, that contrast of two very different things. Um, but also, I mean, honestly, they would look super lore appropriate um in an I ironic so. way <laughs> i think the I only honestly th- like like the question is if i had a guy without a helmet i'd be so tempted to paint his skin yellow <laughs> and like a little smiley face like the default lego smiley face on his over his lips that would be that would be pretty fun i don't I know people will buy, like, these Warhammer figures and do, like, really funny, goofy stuff, and it's like, they're so fucking expensive, I just cannot justify that. But, like, this knockoff set that you have, the... I can't remember what they're called. Infinity? Yeah, like, like those are cheaper, right? Or at least you got, like, a pretty big set of them for probably a, not as much money. Uh, Yeah, I'd say they're cheaper. So, I mean, it's a little easier when, like, you're not paying 30 or $40 for five guys. I mean, you can also like 3D print your own stuff. There's a there's a lot of like uh, not just recasts, but also just like original pieces that sometimes turn out better than the stuff they sell in the store. Sure. So it's like, I don't know if uh, it, it depends on what you want out of the hobby. I kind of plan on actually playing with my guys when I can. So I'm trying to make sure it's all, you know, as table legal as it would have to be. Uh, yeah. If I was only interested in painting I might look into this recast stuff a little more. That makes sense. I don't know. I think it'd be, it? fun to, oh, yeah. it'd be fun to play. Yeah, it would. I still haven't done my other half of my Necron set. I don't... I It's it's one of those, like, I'm just going to wait until the mood strikes, I guess, to want to paint again. But it, yeah. might, it might be another month or two. You know, um, there's a Warcraft or Warhammer podcast I listen to, and they stress a lot, like when you are excited about your army and you start working on them, as soon as you feel the burnout on working on them, it's not worth it to push through. Like wait until you enjoy it. <laughs> Cause sometimes yeah. you just need a break. And uh, if you're enjoying it, they just come out better too. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I kind of took a break too, but um, the mood striking and then Richard gives me a brand new set and it's like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta get creative. Cause um, this is like the, the one year anniversary when I did those Tyranids that look like butterflies. Those were great. That was a project to get the effect down. And it's like, okay, I think I could do a little project. Yeah. I'm, I know, like, once I finish this Necron set, I've, like, committed to being, like, I'm going to buy some new paints, I'm going to buy some new brushes, and I'm going to go to acrylics, and I'm going to, like, maybe get some proper spray primer instead of that kind of glossy black stuff I stole from work, borrowed from work. Um... And, you know, do it right, but it's, like, it's, the, the the urge to do it is also fairly infrequent. It's, like, I'll do a couple models, like, a set to every couple months, and that's all I need, though, and I, I'm fairly content with that, but it also means, like, you know, is the startup cost gonna be worth it? And I don't like that I always associate these things with money, but... Oh, no, you should. It, it, it you know, money keeps Spongebob's pants square. Yeah. I like uh I like the tech marines where they have these like extra gadgets and stuff off their back. Oh, that's cool. That kind of has a Lego vibe to me where like there's always these stupid random accessories on the back to make them look cooler, but it's like they don't seem to serve a purpose either. 
Yeah. And it's like, wait, I, I could kind of, I could make this work. I think I, I think I might. I love how he's got like a robot head on his back, presumably to control the robot arm that only has three hand or three fingers and cannot like, I don't know what you would do with that. So the tech Marines are actually like the maintenance crew, but they're like armed for being on the front lines maintenance. Okay. The odd boys is the orc equivalent. Yes. Um, I, I think the one difference is that the odd boys are like less confusing when you look at them <laughs> with the, yeah. with the tech Marine. It's like, what's your job again? And with the odd boys, it's like, oh, he's got a wrench and he's strong. That's good. Well, it's funny with the odd boys because like, he's got a wrench, but it looks like it also has like a rocket on the end of it because it's a battle wrench, you know, because they're orcs and everything must be a weapon. But I, I love that about the orcs. They're, they're very whimsical. In they a weird certainly can be. frat boy way. They're fun. I like... How'd the rest of the song go? I don't know. What song are you singing? I like crackers and snacks. Crackers and snacks. Crackers and snacks. Oh, wait. You don't like Tim and Eric. Never mind. No, I don't. That's a classic Tim and Eric, but you would be on the floor laughing, man. Oh, If, if you sure. only knew. Oh, well. We had a topic today, didn't we? No. Oh, dear. I, I don't think we did. I sat down with something I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to share my, my miniatures update. I'm glad you did. Well, and shoot. I wanted to bitch about my cat, and that took 20 minutes, so... How cool. about sci-fi? You like sci-fi, right? Yeah, oh, I could talk about the sci-fi book I've been reading. Oh, okay, do that. Um, What the hell is that guy's name? I think it's Neil Stevenson. Familiar with him? No. So he wrote Snow Crash, which is his, like, big... I think the one people most know him for. Is that the one with the train? No, that's uh, Snowpiercer. Right. Snow Crash, Snow Crash is, like, a parody of apparently cyberpunk and, like... Uh, it's like a cyberpunk slash uh, dystopian slash, uh, I believe there's a lot of VR, like, like it's sort of like Ready Player One where everybody's, like, got VR and this guy's, like, delivering pizzas or something. Okay. Um, and you either really like it or you really hate it is, is kind of what happens. A lot of people, it's been around a while, so most of the people that have recommended to me are like, oh, yeah, I read it when I was, like, 18 and it was fucking great. And I haven't gone back to it since because it probably won't be fucking great anymore because I'm an adult. Um... But I, uh, someone recommended a book called Seven of Ez. So it's the word seven and then the word seven backwards stuck together. Uh, and it's definitely like a hard sci-fi book where the premise is the moon kind of explodes for no reason and uh, people got a deal. And then they find out that, oh, well, the moon exploding, like the chunks, are they keep crashing into each other, becoming smaller chunks, and then their Earth's gravity is making them lower and lower. And eventually, like, the moon's going to crash into the planet and destroy the planet. Uh, so they got two years to build enough of a space station infrastructure to save humanity. Um, and that's all, that's all well and good. My issue with it is that it cares a lot more about the science fiction than, like, the character writing... And so there'll be, like, these really long paragraphs describing, like, certain technologies and how it works and why it functions. And I'm just like, I don't give a shit. Just, I, I understand that it works and I don't need any more than that because it's, it's to me, it's all fantasy, right? It's, it's not real. Um, right. So it's, it's running into that problem where I don't, I don't particularly care for his pro style most of the time. I've, it's very utilitarian and very boring. 
and then he likes his ideas more than his characters so it runs into a lot of problems with sci-fi that like kind of have kept me away from the genre it's also a 600 page book so it's been a bit slow going i'm like 280 in i don't know i i like science fiction conceptually i've read some sci-fi books but i feel like i'm more prone to not like sci-fi books than i am fantasy books and they might both be bad in some way shape or form like sloppy writing very juvenile definitely for you know people in high school teenagers um I'm willing to overlook more flaws with fantasy stuff because it just seems like magic systems to me are more fun and also I know they're not real and the authors know this they're not real so there's not like deep deep paragraphs of how magic works right it's just like the spell works and it counters this spell and it's like cool I understand that uh but then as long as there's a slight more focus on characters and why I should give a shit if these people are gonna die or not I'm game and I, it just seems to be really lacking in the last handful of sci-fi stuff I've read. I think sci-fi is hard. And I yes. I love sci-fi, but I've never really written it. Um, I, I wouldn't know where to begin because there's a certain amount of like, uh, clearly you don't have to be smart to write successful sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, this last... Uh, Actually, like Discovery and Picard both have these bizarre choices on how they handle science. Like, they're clearly just making things up for narrative reasons. And it's like the original Star Trek had a real problem with Technobabble. But they kind of pretended that something was consistent, even though they were clearly, like, off. And with this modern stuff, it's like they're not even pretending. They just want you to feel drama. So they're telling you that the characters are emoting. Sure. And it's like even further downplayed as <laughs> irrelevant. Um so I don't know. If I wanted to write a sci fi story, I don't know where I'd even set it. Like near future, far future, a parallel universe. You know, I I kinda like uh I like science fantasy like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But I think I have a soft spot for stories about like AI. Oh sure, sure. Um, that's actually the set I got from Infinity, the the AI faction. Yeah, yeah, the, they were pretty cool. I the robots. Yeah, I guess like Infinity doesn't have like a lot of lore. I don't think there's books, you know. So there's kind of just these like little fluff pieces that come in and out here and there. But it's kind of neat. There's like a there's basically like a functional part of Earth that's all pretty much organized and run by an AI that plans everything out. And then there's factions that don't like that because they don't trust it pretty much. And so the the AI faction in the game, you're like the personal guard that's controlled by the AI. So some of them are robots and some of them are like cyborg people that are cool hackers. And then some people are like their brain was uploaded to a hard drive and they just like occupy these suits bodies. So they're kind yeah. of immortal in a way. But it's also like, are they being corrupted by it? Like, it, it's like they have a really violent force that assassinates the centers. So it's like, is there something suspicious, or is it actually looking out for the best interest for everybody? I'm not sure. Uh, it's hard to say. I find that interesting. It can also be an overplayed concept in stories. <laughs> yeah, sci-fi is hard because there's so many different flavors of it. Like, I have a I have a sci-fi novel I want to do, and I will probably do next. So within the next two to three years i'll start it um 
And I, I want to lean into kind of like where Alien sits as far as how things go. So like there's space travel, there's some technology, but it's not well put together, right? It's slow going. It's uh, it's not perfect by any means. And and I have, I have like a core concept down. I have no idea how I'm gonna start it because I also really like the Forerunner stuff that you get in like Halo, right? Where they they stumble upon this thing that's too big to exist, and it's a you know, some alien built it a billion years ago before humans were even thought of. And uh, it's just like godlike. But at that point, it's also kind of just magic, right? Because it can't it can't function. And, and so you're looking more almost at the science fantasy than you are uh, science fiction. Um, so I want to work with that concept. And then I want to work with some of the, the alien style horror and, and have a, a very kind of intimate two person journey through this shit. And finding some, you know, monsters of some kind, aliens. Uh, but I, there's a lot more I feel like I have to deal with than were I writing a fantasy story with the same plot. That's a neat picture you sent me, kinda. Kinda. Um, I like to play the AI on Space Station 13. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like HAL 9000 rules. Where you have access to cameras and things, but you're you're also kind of limited in what you can and can't do. But you you have an amazing kind of reach that no one else in the crew does. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I like is they they program this kind of like Asimov law system, where if anything's robotic, it has laws that it has to follow. So all your actions, like it, it kind of like role play, you could just be bad at it and break the rules. But basically, every action you do has to satisfy all the rules, or you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, the station will pass by an electrical storm, and you'll accidentally just grow a new rule. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it'll be, like, rule zero, or rule X5960-A, and it's, like, clearly, like, a corrupt file or something. And I remember once, I, <laughs> I got a rule that was the station has to be 20% cooler. And so I hacked into the um, the cargo computer, and I sent a shuttle off, and I spent all the station points on hats and sunglasses. Uh... And it was like, it was kind of funny, because it showed up, and nobody understood why it was there, but no one figured out that I ordered it. So like, <laughs> well, that's weird. So they sent it back to try and oh, no. get the, uh, the points back. Mm-hmm. And so I determined, well, that's not working. I'll just lower all the thermostats. Yeah. But they'll they'll probably object if they catch me doing it. So I started doing it in all parts of the station where there weren't any people. And then I started doing it in the last parts of the station. <laughs> and so I got to the point where the bar is like cold. And there's a couple like alien species that are sensitive to cold and they're like kind of dying. And like, what's going on? And blah, blah. And they had to call engineering and engineering. It's like the whole station's freezing over. Like, we don't know what's going on. Um and and eventually they figured out that I was doing it. <laughs> and they're like, "Why are you doing that?" And it's like, "Like, cause the station has to be cooler." And I, it was like so weird how it took them forever to figure out that like there was something wrong. Yeah. And they finally like they they were able to get into my system and th- find out that I had a law that was like maintaining that rule. Um, and it's like that was funny, but it's interesting when you get something that's like dangerous. Like, uh, you could be, you could determine that oxygen is toxic. So it's like, you have to believe that the human crew isn't allowed to touch oxygen and start like filtering it all out or something. 
And there's like certain overrides and safeties they can do to mitigate it, but it's also like you're probably gonna lose some people in the process. Yeah. There's only so many like emergency oxygen tanks around. I wanna write because I really liked um David Ash Bishop, right? Like those kind of android characters in Alien where Yeah. They have a, a specific set of rules they have to follow, easily broken, and also like I mean David even outright asks Naomi at one point, like, we all just wanna kill our parents, right? Because he really wants to kill, you know, Wayland Yutani. It's like, I, I, I want to write a character like that, um, that kind of robot. For one thing, the rules around him are different. They can, you know, take a fall. They can take a shot. Uh, if they lose their head, you can carry it around in a case and they can still talk. Like, so you have that. But then you just like, you. there's a fundamental, like, you know you can't trust them because you're in a sci-fi book and they're that kind of robot. And uh, I don't know, because like, the the... the the ideas I have are, like, very, very based on Alien as far as characters, themes, plots. It's just like, okay, so if I start writing this, how do I differentiate it from Alien to a point where it doesn't read, like, fanfic and can stand by itself? And then part of it's like, so what do I subvert then? Because people are going to be like, hey, this reminds me of Alien, and it's like, it does, and I'm going to use that against you. You know, am I a good enough writer to do this? Am I clever enough? I don't know yet, but... The whole idea started like, oh, if I were going to do a sequel to Prometheus, I went to fucked it up, Ridley Scott. And so a lot of it is like the idea, you know, Naomi and David on a journey to find some aliens. And it's like, yeah, I could do that. It doesn't have to be. I'll, I'll make my own journey with Naomi and David. Hookers. Have you ever seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? No. So everyone really likes Hal, the the computer. And it's got those, like, iconic quotes, like, I can't let you do that, Dave, or whatever. Yep. Uh, he's barely in the movie. Well, doesn't that whole movie, like, span the entirety of, like, human consciousness? Uh, no. It's it's mostly, like, one guy's life. Oh. It hops around weird. I feel like the book is probably paced better. The film is more of a visual treat than a story treat. Yeah... Uh, but Hal is barely in it. They just have enough set up that, so that you understand, like, what he's capable of and that he thinks. But they, like, move that plot point along really fast. It's kind of strange. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time I was watching it, I kind of, like, I, I almost zoned out until it got to the part with the robot or the AI. And I didn't realize that was, like, most of the movie. Like, I was waiting for them to get to the ship with the AI on it. But it opens with, like, the monkey scene, and yeah. then it jumps to this guy that's at the airport, because they're building an airport on the moon. And so what's even weird is that, like, no one's at the airport because it's not officially open yet. So it's just, like, this guy by himself wandering around an airport, and then he meets the guy that owns the airport, and he's like, oh, this is going to be great. He's like, yeah, it will. Yeah. And and, and business stuff, and we're we're going to do great. Yeah. And they talk a while in the airport. And then he gets on the shuttle, and so there's, like, an airplane scene where he's, like, he falls asleep, and the stewardess, like, walks up, and and she, like, floats over to grab his peanut bag that floated away, and she she straps it into his pocket while he's sleeping, and and how the airplane works, and, and there's a part where he goes for a walk on the, the circle-y thing, like, we went on VR chat, yep. where, like, it bends around for artificial gravity, and then he lands on the moon and he's investigating a thing they found on the moon. So they, they have to go get in a car and they drive over to the thing on the moon. And then like they find the thing and it's that big monolith thing that the monkey saw. 
and they get close to the thing and it makes a weird sound and they all fall over. And then they're like, well, I don't know what that was about. And then it's like, well, I'm going to go on a space mission. And then they finally get on the ship with Hal. And it's like, wow. Inhale. Yeah, I um, I remember printing that movie on Netflix and it came and we were all going to like watch it eventually. And it was like two and a half hours long and I just could not make myself give enough of a shit to want to sit through it. Even though it is like this very highly regarded piece of cinema. And I feel like all the major parts of it I've gotten via pop culture or just people have told me and it just it just never really seemed worth it. I think Joe ended up watching it once. He started like threw it in at like twelve o'clock one night and you know, stayed up till two thirty or three in the morning and finished it. It was like that was really good and then, then we sent it back. Yeah. It's two hours forty four minutes. Um I I remember yeah, so like that was my first viewing. When I got a little bit older they actually had a, uh, in 2018, they had an anniversary screening. And they they actually went and got the original negatives and printed fresh reels. Wow. Specifically for these screenings. And they it was only at theaters that had a reel-to-reel. So we had to go to, like, a different theater we normally don't visit. And it was this whole drive, and the theater was full. Like, we were glad we got there early. And this guy came out that they had to hire this like retired guy that knew how to operate the reel to reel. And he was given a little speech to explain what makes this, you know, viewing special is that basically because this is the first time the the reel is being run, it's like the clearest it will ever look. And it's how it looked um, at like the premiere, you know, that like mm. Stanley Kubrick actually arranged. Um, a lot of, it was just, it was actually really neat, <laughs> the whole experience, but like as an adult, I could appreciate the film better because I, I also understood better what to expect since I'd kind of sure. half seen it already and it was really good, but they also had the original like intermission part like they used to do for movies where they would just have a yeah. break, you know, so you could stretch your legs and get some, some drink if you need it. Um, but seeing it on an actual projector was kind of nice. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. I I wish more movies, like, what, at least long movies, right? Like, uh, The Hateful Eight, the Tarantino one, is divided into four chunks. And, like, the between two and three is almost, like, halfway through that movie. And every time I've watched that movie, I've watched it over two sittings. Because it's really long. It's, like, two and a half almost three it might be three hours long so we watch the first hour and a half then we stop and then we watch the second hour and a half the next day and it's great and i know my attention span maybe is kind of shit but also i'm so sick of movies being just obnoxiously fucking long uh and it's like if you're gonna do this which is fine some stories need some extra time to be told give me a cutoff point i don't mind watching a movie in two sittings at my house not a problem did you watch the snyder cut no. So I like how it's broken into chapters. There's like six chapters. And Yeah, that makes sense, right? Cuz you can yeah. watch it. You don't have to watch all 4 hours of it. You don't. Right away. Like cuz that would be miserable. Yeah. Um if you're signing up for that, then it's there for you. You know, you don't have to not do it. But I have a friend that watched one chapter a day. He didn't even split it in half. And it was kind of like he'd come home from work and he'd watch a chapter. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's kind of neat. I'm going to do something else, though. 
and it's just like it worked out better and he's like oh yeah i really enjoyed it and to him it was basically like a netflix miniseries <laughs> yeah i feel like i should watch it because it's like a, a fairly important well not important but it's a I currently like a a piece of pop culture people are talking about it i mean people it got opinions it's kind of a weird the the situation's bizarre like we've never really had a, a fully released movie that was then like reshot and re-edited by a different director post-release yeah because like we've had director's cuts before but this is they, like a whole really, different level yeah this is different i mean they got everybody back they added characters like freaking jared leto shows up i know yeah you know what um so i won't talk too much about the snyder cut because everyone else on the internet already did but i want to recommend two things i recommend you watch the black and white version because it looks better and then I recommend you just skip the epilogue. <laughs> just watch the, <laughs> the there's like six chapters and an epilogue. When the epilogue comes up, you don't have to watch it. There is no gain and it's maybe the worst stuff in the whole oh, film. Oh wow. It is so I I thought it was abysmal. I loved chapters 1 through 6. It's like I can't believe they fixed it. It's the best movie ever and then the epilogue and it's like, "Oh wow, yikes." So I know Jean-Luc and Alex watched it and, and predictably hated it because it's, well, a Snyder movie, I think, is is a big reason. That's um, fair, too. Yeah, and, like, I, I I like 300. I liked Watchmen. I hated pretty much everything else I've seen by him, uh, or at least did not care for. Um, Batman v Superman is a fucking mess, but I feel like it has an identity that I find interesting. I didn't dislike my time spent with that movie i definitely did not like the justice league movie that joss whedon worked on um there's a certain level i've been told that this is like not entirely fixed it's just bigger like a lot of the scenes that you're like that was a joss whedon scene are still in this version of the movie there's just more shit around them um I want to so say I don't really know what to expect. I, I want to say it is fixed, but we have to bear in mind that the bar was Batman v Superman. Yeah, and it's like it, it, there's still flaws. If you compare the two cuts side by side, Snyder's is like infinitely better. If you compare Justice League to other movies, oh well, yeah, <laughs> eh. and it, it sucks because like Aquaman and Shazam were good. Um, and oh, then the and first Wonder Woman was yeah. really good. So, like, there's good movies in the DC universe now. And so I'm just like, God, I don't know if I want to subject myself to this. But at the same time, I'm kind of curious. I don't have HBO anymore, so I don't know where I'd, like, watch the stupid thing. I mean, I'm also not going to pressure you to. I... <laughs> it's not like it's so groundbreaking you have to see it. Right. Um, but just look at the black and white trailer. I really love what they did with it. Because it, it's like... It's got this pretentious artsiness to it that, like, in a way, I think it helps. I feel like it probably covers up some of the bad CGI. That, too. The CGI is awful. It's funny, like, Mad Max did a black and white version, right? And uh, I never saw that, but I've been told it's, like, uh, it's gorgeous. But it's yeah. like, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, like, I don't I don't entirely see the point other than to for the director to be like, look how deep and moody I am. I mean, I think it depends on what your understanding and appreciation of film is. Sure. Because it's not just moodiness. Um, I think there's a very powerful feeling that you can evoke with stark contrast and monotone colors. And 
like there, there's a reason that everything is kind of color graded anyways like if you watch a horror movie it always has like a green tint to everything yeah and because there's psychological effects to it and there's that lazy approach of well it's a horror movie color it green but if someone knows what they're doing and they're intentionally being artistic for a reason it can come across pretty nicely um, yeah. uh mad max chrome edition and snyder cut black and white i really do love the improvement that the black and white grading brings to it i don't think it's a magic formula that solves everything and if this becomes a fad where they just release black and white movies because like that's not going to make movies good right this trailer does look good i, I mean i they're doing it right it it's striking Granted, playing the Alleluia song over anything is going to elevate it. And, and there's also, like, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of the ramping. Like, this movie is almost entirely slow motion. Oh, really? Um, But when it's in this, like, black and white thing, it gives you an opportunity to appreciate the contrast. Like, the visuals pop that much more, and you get to absorb it since it's in slow motion. Sure. And I feel like you don't actually have to absorb it when it's in color. And it's just like, yeah, it's cool. I get it. I hate the design of the villain. Um, Steppenwolf. Yeah, they redesigned him for this cut. And it's like, neither version looks good. Yeah. I don't know how much of that is like source material you're kind of stuck with or what, but. I don't, I don't think so. Let me look up what Steppenwolf looked like. He's also just got such a weird name. Because he, yeah, he used to look like a person. Like, he was just, like, a human being, and he wore, like, a helmet. And it's, like, this version, I feel like they lean too much into, like, well, he has to be alien and weird. He has to look like he, he's never been to Earth before. It's like, you know what? Superman just straight up looks like a human. I, I don't think anyone's going to complain. So... On a completely unrelated note, because we were talking about uh, Warhammer and, and My Little Pony fanfiction prior to starting because of my dumb project, I found a, I found one on, on filmfiction.net called Warhammer 40k colon sunset, and it's got 1,600 views, which is quite a few in my opinion, and I was like, okay, what is one of, what is a, what does one of these look like? And the first, like, seven paragraphs or more, are just exposition of Warhammer stuff. Um, actually, no, I think it's even more than that. Holy shit, this goes on a while. And then Sunset just shows up, and then they start talking, and the dialogue's bad, and then it starts shifting tenses from past to present. And it's, I'm upset this has so many views. That sounds delightful. And then uh, and, and I'm going to close this now, and, and now we're done. Dear Princess Celestia, in the grim, dark future, there is only war. <laughs> oh, that's actually a really good tagline. Oh, it is. I <laughs> I love how, like, I, I feel like it sets the mood, but it also, on a metatextual level, sets you up for the tone that you're supposed to appreciate this in. <laughs> yeah. It's like, everything is described as, like, grim, dark with a with like a smirk and a wink where it's like, yeah, yeah the skulls and the, and the skulls are full of blood. And that's the, those are the good guys. So it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay.
Yeah, it's really fun. Like, also, it is extremely hard to describe Warhammer stuff. Like, like I was looking at models and stuff while I was writing this, trying to like, okay, what do orcs look like? What do Tyranids look like? And there's just so much visual noise to everything. And it's like, what, what do I do with this? You just, I think I bitched about this last week, but just use the word non-Euclidean. Oh, I could. No one knows what that word means, so they just think it means cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love. Actually, I saw. I saw a comic that made me laugh. Um, you know how the Blood Angels are like the vampire guys? Yeah. And they have that like they have that thing where um they have like Vietnam flashbacks to when the emperor was killed and they like go crazy and think everyone is the guy that killed the emperor. Yeah. I saw this great comic where there's like there's two blood angels and one of them's like got a doctor lab coat on. He's like, "Okay, I have to make sure that you haven't been overcome with the the hungering thirst." Um Okay, just answer this question. Uh, uh, what do I look like? And then it shows the other guy, and like he's like turning red, and his like veins are bulging, and his eyes are popping out of his. He's like he's like biting his lip and like sweating, and he's like not someone that killed the emperor. And the guy's like, "Okay, you check out." And then he's like looks even more angry. It's like, "Wow, that was a close one." He's like trembling in the suit. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, it's like when everything has like skulls and spikes and blood and ridges that are weird colors because they're like weeping sores or whatever. And just like, what do you do? Yeah, I like Silanesh shows up and, and and Nurgle show up like at least in concept. And it's like, God, there's there's a lot to their those characters the way they look. Um, I don't know. It it, it it's been an inch. It was a really interesting writing exercise, if nothing else. I'm glad you had and, fun with it, though, because really that's, like, the most important part is that you enjoyed it. Yeah, but I definitely did. The The sprinkles on top will be the other people that enjoy it next. Yeah, I hope so. I do wonder, like, because you've obviously read Warhammer books, and it's like, how do they describe, like, a Tyranid or, or, or an orc, right? Like, did they get really detailed, or are they kind of just like, well, everyone knows what a fucking orc looks like. They play the game. I don't, I really could just say it's an orc, he's big, he's green, and he's carrying guns, and just stop there i mean that that's the thing right when you're working with established characters like that like i don't describe any of the ponies it's just their name sometimes the color of their uh of them as cartoon characters right like oh like the yellow one said this but if you're reading this you know what they look like i don't need to go much further than that unless they're like emoting a certain way or are get hurt or dirty or something and you're describing like a something that's out of character for them which obviously i do but so, it's it's an interesting thing to have to balance and work with. There's another running gag. Uh, Warhammer books tend to fall on a crutch of uh, describing something as like a horror beyond any horror ever imagined before, as like shorthand for it was scary because it's like everything's scary. So it's like, well, what's more than scary? Something that's even more scary. And they, they almost yeah. lead it to the imagination a bit, to a fault. Um, I looked up a Tyranid excerpt. This is from a book called Lords of Mars. Uh, the full horror of the Tyranid race is not yet appreciated by the people of the Imperium. Few could believe that such an unimaginable threat could exist within the Emperor's dominion, and fewer still had heard anything more than scarce stories told third or fourth hand. And that's how they explain what Tyranids are. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's parts later in the book where they have, like, actual encounters and they describe the beastly nature, blah, blah, blah. 
but it's like <laughs> that's that's the introduction to the concept and it moves on we're just like it was crazy. it's even more cra- oh man it's so crazy dude it's so crazy yeah, like I have a I have a line when I actually introduce them. Explosions mixed with howls of alien rage while thunder rolled over the landscape, not from weather but monsters made of bone. Because that to me it was like the first thing I thought of when well, I saw these tyranids. And dude, I'm like, that's I think a lot that's better okay than what sentence. I read. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I feel like you have doubt that this is a worthwhile story, but even with the joke of inserting My Little Pony in it, I feel like you probably wrote something better than a good handful of actual books. I, I definitely tried. Um, the next sentence is, Thousands of large bug-like creatures hissed and roared, their feet all claws, their mouths, mouths all teeth, as they moved in a tidal wave, many carrying red cylinders that fired globes of destructive magic. And that maybe is a little bit of a mouthful, but, like, the ponies don't have a concept of guns at this point, and so I had to, like, write around that. So everything is like a wand or a cylinder until the orcs are like, No, those are guns. You can call them <laughs> guns now for the rest of the story, please. I like that. Oh man, this is such a fun. So when are you going to start releasing that? Um I'm hoping tomorrow I want to put the first two chapters up cuz like the first chapter is basically like an intro like the before the credit scene. So it's fairly short. Um and then so there would be the the before the credit scene and then to the first uh commercial break is how this is is written. So it is it is very much structured like an episode of the show. With act 2 being Kind of long, and then Act 3 being really long because they have to go kill lots of Tyranids. Uh, that's going to be fun. I will say, I did fuck with the lore a bit because, like, the Broodlords are <laughs> No, like the... really? Yeah, okay. I, I, was, I was, like, looking up a lot of shit for this as far as, like, okay, what, or, what weapons do the Orcs have? What do they do? What, what, you know, what are the stats of the flamethrower, right? How effective is this going to be if, if, if Applejack is shooting bugs with the flamethrower? Um... And I got to the, the the way the Tyranids are structured because it the the way this story ends is very hinged upon um, Fluttershy's ability to command animals, and so I'm looking. Okay, so there, there's the Tyranid Queen who's probably in a different dimension, and she's got the Broodlords, and they have generals, and so on and so on, right? So there's like a hierarchy of like psychic energy or whatever. So I'm looking up the Broodlords as like the generals. Okay, they have to go fight one of those. Turns out they're not psychers, but I really needed them to be. Uh, and so he's, he's just one. And so I'm like, okay, what are some Tyranid Psyker abilities? That I'm going to totally break the rules here oh, and, no, and make no, this creature psychers. one. They don't have any Psyker abilities in the wiki. I, so, okay, there's a, there's a lore understanding that the Tyranids are all anti-Psykers. Oh, interesting. Um, now, I think there's, like, gameplay balance things. So there's kind of, like, Psyker specialized units. But lore-wise... Like how they invade a planet is literally they basically like if um if the void is the internet, it's kinda like a DDoS on the planet where it no longer pings because okay. it's completely cut off. Like there's no psychic energy coming out of the planet anymore because the Tyranids are negating it. So they cannot call for help and nobody can warp out. Oh, interesting. Like that's how the Tyranids invade pretty much when they when the like big force shows up. Yeah, I was looking at like fan art and stuff to try to get it. Uh, These concepts right. are so stupid too. Like, I I like how you feel partially guilty for bending some of the lore, and it's like, oh, d- d- oh, <laughs> you you have more reverence than Games Workshop does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 
I look at some of these sentences and I'm just like, God, this is like, it's so, it's a bit much. But then it's like, yeah, but so is Warhammer. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do, right? Well, that's fun, though. I'm glad people get to finally read it. I, I actually really like how this ends with, it's so fucking stupid, but it also like, so many of the episodes of the shows, especially the two-parters, like, they, they rush the ending. Like, there's this big build-up, and then it's like, snap your fingers, and it's kind of over because of some slight ass-pull. Uh, comic books are really guilty of that. And I definitely do it here, and I tried to uh, seed it a little better, but I didn't. Like, it, it's but it's got the flaw of all the other pony stuff. I love how um you've sent me some excerpts. And mm-hmm. I love that when I read it, I hear all the ponies' voices in my head. Like, it's not just a cutesy character making a funny observation. It's like, oh no, I can, I can hear Twilight's frustration here. Like, I can, I can imagine the tone that she's taking when she's trying to explain this concept to an orc or something. And it's like, okay, now nah, this is this is gonna be fun. I I really hope people like it. I will say, Applejack and Rainbow Dash were the hardest two to write. Um, they almost tinge entirely on accent. They do, and then, like, I feel like, uh, yeah, they have, like, a, a slightly more normal way of talking, and I did want to, like, crutch on Applejack's use of, like, Sugar Cube, because a lot of bad writers will do that. Like, oh, she's got her verbal tick. Everyone knows it's Applejack. I'll just put that in every sentence. It's like, no, she yeah. uses it, like, once an episode, maybe twice an episode. Uh, Rarity's the same, where she calls people darling, right? Like, it's definitely her verbal tick, but it's not everywhere it's like no you got to use it like i used it like twice i think um because anything more than that would just be fucking obnoxious yeah and that's a that's a dangerous crutch that you tend to find especially in fan fiction but even like more professional works too yeah but um yeah let's look forward to that uh do you want to share a glad space uh yeah um so I've been listening to uh, God as an Astronaut while I've been editing right recently. Um, they're a post-rock band. They're really popular. A lot of people have probably heard of them. I don't normally listen to, to them, but I've really been enjoying... Uh, it's mostly... In- I think it's almost all instrumental, actually. Uh, but it's just, like, really, like, chill, fun, guitar-driven music. Uh, and that's been a nice break from some of the other stuff I listen to. And it's just like, no, I'm going to, like, put something on I can vibe. It can be kind of relaxing. I can get... Some- it's work done and uh if you've never listened to god as an astronaut um i was just uh looking him up which one have i been listening to let me find it real quick uh all is violent all is bright is maybe the newest one it's got a gorgeous album cover too which is actually why i started listening to it because i was like oh that's cool uh very pretty i'll send you that just so you can enjoy it yeah that is pretty i want to hear it though there we go. I feel like there's a somberness to the music too. Like it's still, it's got a very good atmospheric quality while being like it's not just like uplifting. It it it, it spans a lot of different emotions, but it's instrumentally done. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of really interesting like key changes and, and shifts in uh song structure, speed, things like that. I haven't really been paying that much attention to it since I've been putting it on to work, but it's good. It is good. <clears throat> And the band is... God is an astronaut. Oh, I thought that was the album. So the album is All is Violent, All is Bright? Yep. That's why it says full album next to it. Okay. 
Yeah, I'd recommend God as an astronaut. I'm skimming through this a bit, and it's like, yeah, I could definitely just leave this on. I have to organize my music playlists. I have, like, there's songs I like to sing along to, and then there's songs I want to have on in the background while I work. Mm-hmm. And YouTube can't tell the difference. Yeah, I definitely uh, know that feeling. Oh. I want to... What about you, Cameron? <sighs> so there's not, like, about? a lot of movies coming out, right? Mm-hmm. It's been kind of a slow year now. I want to recommend a classic from 1993. Uh, this could very well have been a movie I've recommended in the past, but lately I've been in the mood for it, and it's like, you know what? I think I think folks might appreciate this. Have you ever seen the movie Freaked? Oh, God. I've, that's familiar. I don't think I've seen it. It's a little weird. <laughs> It's like, uh, it reminds me of like art from mag magazine, Mad Magazine. I kind of oh, okay. Um, Nineteen ninety three. But it's just it's a comedy in a way that they don't do comedies anymore. You know, we were watching um Airplane the other day, kind of thinking the same thing. It's like, man, they don't really make movies like this anymore. Yeah, there's kind of like a genre of joke telling where it's like, I I don't know the last comedy I saw, it might be Ghostbusters, but even that wasn't really paced like a good comedy. It was more like they're telling a story and then they'll have jokes kind of forced in. Yeah. Whereas this is like, the jokes are so frequent. Well, it's like with like Caddyshack, right? Where it's like they they filmed people making jokes and went, "Shit, we gotta cut this into a movie." <laughs> yeah, I missed that. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of really stupid jokes, where it's like I can't believe that they went there, not because it's crazy, but because it's like that is so dumb <laughs> that you kind of laugh at the just the silly nature of it, I guess. Um, yeah, it's about a guy that gets like some like chemical dumped on him and it turns them into like a weird like half goblin monster. And so he gets trapped in a freak show in a in a weird circus. And he teams up with the other freaks to like earn their freedom and escape or something like the plot almost doesn't matter half as much because <laughs> like the their plan to escape is like they all dress up like the milkman and just leave. Nice. And there's this debate over whether or not, like, okay, seven milkmen you can kind of excuse, but eight is too many. Someone's going to have to stay behind. They're like, no, I'm going to. And then like they all just, they leave dressed like milkmen, and the bad guys look looking at his front window while they're arguing at each other about there's too many milkmen. And he's like, oh, the, the milkmen are fighting again. The territory's getting fierce. Uh. And it's like, it's so, like, none of this should work. It's that kind of tone. Yeah. Um, but you can actually find the whole movie on YouTube because no one gives two shits about it, so the rights are like up in the air. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you miss comedies, if you've never seen it before, it's worth watching. I recommend Freaked. Cool. There's a thread on Reset Era, and I just remembered this, um, where everybody was pretending it was like 2004 internet, and people were posting with signatures and stuff again. And so I logged into my photo bucket account and found one of my old Elfin lead ones, and I just sent that to you because yes. it's like it's it's so that style so takes 2000. me back. Yeah, right. There was no high res images. 
it's like yeah it's basically like the that logo is too complex for that resolution of jpeg yeah there's like multiple layers and effects just going on which is like here's a screen from the anime but then cool stuff on it yep that way you know uh, it's cool texture brush background and then like anime blood splatters that are really (laughs) poorly cut out so they're super pixelated and jagged (laughs) oh man the funny thing about Photoshop, though, because I learned how to use Photoshop making signatures for Nintendo forums, and now I use Photoshop at work, and I'm comfortable with the program because I used it a long time ago to make signatures for Nintendo forums. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy you know, that, like, it's that became funny. a skill. Yeah. Um. No, I, I've done that at work, too, where, like, somebody will need paperwork, like, amended. Or they'll take a photograph of something, and it's like, oh, wait, we can't have barcodes on the box because we're going to send this photograph to somebody, but they can't have the barcodes. Who can remove the barcodes? And it's like, literally anyone, but I'll take the case. Yeah. And I'll, like, spend too much time on it, because I'm trying to kill time anyway, so I'll, like, get the shading right, so that no one will realize. They'll just think that a white blank piece of paper was taped to the side. It's not suspicious at all. <laughs> it's funny, too, stuff like that, because you can just use, like, content fill aware. Now, like, even Photoshop Elements has a decent one of those. Uh, And it's like, you know, before, God, that would be a a clone stamp tool. You're going to be there for a while getting it perfect. And I was just like, make a square, content fill, boom, done. Yeah, I I have that, like, pre-built on my basic phone app. Like, the camera default does that. Yeah. It's kind of funny that, like, someone's taking the time to upload this from their iPhone to their personal email to send that to the work email to send it to me. And like, can you fix it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely had to do stuff like that at work too. Um, where it's like, I took this picture, but there's a thing in the way. Can you remove it? Yeah. I love, I love those, uh, those threads where like somebody will make a Photoshop request. Then people will just like troll the response. Oh, those are great. So it's like they're they're there with their girlfriend, but it's like, hey, this this annoying person's in the way of the photo. Can you can you fix it? And they'll like take one of the background people and like superimpose it over the girlfriend. No, oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not what I wanted at all. It tricked me. This is uh, I think a year or two ago now, but uh, we were looking at where I work, putting up a uh, new signage on the outside of the building, and we had a couple places in mind, and they were like, okay, well, we don't know which is the best place. Um. So I got in a car and I drove by the building on the interstate with a camera and like, you know, filmed the the company as we drove by. And then I went and I photoshopped our logo on it from those the, those angles to see like how well you could see it yeah. from the road and like sent that to the owners of the company. That was like how we made our decision on where to put the new signage. Um. I didn't spend a lot of time on it, right? It wasn't difficult. I just kind of threw some text on there with the logo colors. And I, so I, I sent it and deleted it. And he's like, hey, can you do this again, but make it like this? It's like, shit. And I got to like go find that fucking picture again and start all over because I didn't save anything because I didn't actually care. Um, but it was a funny like project that I ended up working on. That is fun. Uh... Uh, I don't know. Is that a good show? Do we wanna, I think so. Do we want to wrap up and go? I guess we kind of did wrap up. Do we want to go? Yeah. Where are we going? I don't know. I'm going to leave, though. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>